Portland. Blazers Nation, this is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points, and you are listening to Talking Trailblazers on this insanely rainy uh, late February Monday morning in Portland, Oregon. We are back after a two-week absence, which the first we can blame on some technology issues, and the second we can blame, well, it's, I can suppose I can blame myself for this, on taking a day off for All-Star Weekend, uh, where not a single Blazer appeared. Rip City fans will certainly know that CJ McCollum did participate in a three-point contest, though, albeit wearing a New Orleans Pelicans jersey. That seemed like a very, very tough pill for some Blazers fans to swallow over All-Star Weekend. But a lot more has transpired in the world of Blazers basketball than the All-Star break since the last time we talked a couple weeks ago. Portland fully embraced what I like to call on-the-fly tank mode. I'm using air quotes over audio here, uh, sending McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. to the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Tomas Sadaransky, Didi Luzada, and a 2022 first-round pick that will go to the Blazers if it falls between 5 and 14. And they also got two additional second-round, future second-round picks from the Pelicans in that deal. But a quick note on that first-rounder. Uh, that Portland is hoping will be conveyed this summer, uh, that first rounder from New Orleans. If New Orleans advances to the playoffs out of the play-in tournament, which seems more likely than it did a week ago, given the Lakers' epic, epic ongoing collapse, uh, it seems the Pelicans' chief competition in the play-in looks like it'll be the Minnesota Timberwolves and L.A. Clippers. Remember, only two of the four teams uh, who advanced to the play-in tournament will go on to make the playoffs. But if New Orleans advances to the playoffs or tumbles down the standings so that pick comes in the top five, the Pelicans will instead send the Milwaukee Bucks 2025 first-round pick to Portland, protected for picks one through four. The bottom line? The Blazers got an impact rotation player in Josh Hart, who has two years left on a highly, highly desirable contract, and a real first-round pick, a real first-round pick, one that still seems most likely to come in the lottery this summer, in exchange for C.J. McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. Now compare that to the low 20s first-round pick and the low 30s second-rounder the Indiana Pacers got for Karis LeVert from the Cleveland Cavaliers, also at the deadline. Portland should be pretty happy with its overall asset player in the McCollum deal, and that's despite how well he's played since he's been in New Orleans, really just burning down the nets. Uh, as New Orleans' primary ball handler. Now, Lavert is three years younger than CJ, three inches taller, which, at least in theory, in theory, gives him a bit more two-way versatility and is due a contract extension this summer that's bound to pay him some $15 million fewer annually over the next two seasons than McCollum. Lavert has obvious holes in his game, but there are definitely some in the league who like him nearly as much as CJ and perhaps like him even more given their contract situations. And yet, Portland got more valuable assets for the older, more expensive, slightly less versatile, ball-dominant off-guard. That should be looked at as a major win for Joe Cronin in the front office. McCollum's trade value just never came close to aligning with what most Portland fans envisioned. A package of hearts, a valuable first-round pick, and two second-rounders for CJ and an injured, slowing-down Larry Nance... As much as I still like his game in a vacuum, uh, especially when playing full-time five, frankly, I don't think he's as well-suited for uh, the perimeter anymore as the game gets smaller, as his athleticism wanes amid more injuries and his jumper just hasn't been as true as it was uh, during that 1920 season in Cleveland. 
but that's just a much better package than I would have anticipated Portland getting for McCollum. Again, that's a big, big win for Cronin, at least in my opinion. And it immediately showed up on the floor as well, with the new-look Blazers ringing off four straight wins heading into the All-Star break. Playing the active, up-tempo, two-way style, Chauncey Billups has wanted to deploy since training camp. Let's get some quick numbers on Portland's pre-All-Star surge. Those are wins over the Los Angeles Lakers, New York Knicks, the Milwaukee Bucks, without Giannis, and an awesome road win over the Memphis Grizzlies before we get into the more dispiriting half of the show. The Blazers had a 108.8 defensive rating over those four games, seventh in the league over that time frame, and shooting luck was not the cause. Team shot just 36% from three, or excuse me, team shot 36%, just over 36% from three against Portland, uh, better than league average over that over that over that span. Uh, they were second in defensive rebound rate, despite Nurk- Yusuf Nurkic being the only rotation player standing taller than six eight and playing Justice Winslow primarily at the floor. They were first in opponent free throw rate, just fouling the hell out of people. Evidence of just how much more physical and intense Portland was defensively with Hart and Winslow in the fold. And then here's what here's what we really like. And, probably what makes Chauncey Billups most excited. A whopping 15.3% of Portland's points came in transition over those four games, and that is the highest rate in all of basketball. Now, it's a product of both the Blazers forcing slightly more turnovers and making a pointed effort to run off them, but also just the singular transition engine that is Josh Hart. He derives more offense from transition than any player in the league this season per NBA.com stats and has relentlessly pushed the ball up the floor with hard-charging straight-line dribbles and quick hit-aheads at pretty much every single opportunity since he got to Portland, sometimes even after made baskets. It's really breathtaking to see a, a player of Hart's dimensions and, and athleticism, you know, 6'4", good length, broad shoulders, but certainly not an especially explosive athlete, doesn't have an amazingly quick first step, and isn't even especially straight line fast with the ball, but it's just his determination. Uh, Once he gets the ball off a defensive rebound or he gets an outlet with with room to roam um, going up the floor, he's just always, always looking to push the pace, and that will really, really benefit the Blazers as long as he is in Rip City. Portland was just a much different team leading into the All-Star break, basically. Ably switching across multiple positions defensively, consistently helping the helper, getting into the open floor with ease via multiple ball handlers, and pinging the ball around in the half court, playing off advantages mostly created by Anthony Simons and Yusuf Nurkic, both of whom played some of the, were playing some of the best basketball of their careers heading into the All-Star break. That four-game stretch will serve as a blueprint for how Portland wants to play next season. But the bigger question is which incumbent players will be on the roster and in the rotation to do it. And that is what we'll discuss on the second half of this week's show. For now, we're going to take a quick break. You are listening to Talking Trailblazers. This is Jack Winter of Clutch Points, and we will be right back. All right, we are back with Talking Trailblazers. This is Jack Winter, your Portland Trailblazers beat writer for Clutch Points. And first things first, before we discuss next season, Damian Lillard almost certainly 
isn't coming back before 2022-2023. Now, that's been a safe assumption ever since he went under the knife on January 13th to address long-standing abdominal tendinopathy that has nagged at him over the last few years. And every subsequent public interview from both Lillard and Joe Cronin has suggested Lillard will indeed sit out the season's remainder even though they have not quite outright confirmed it. Now, that almost changed last week when Lillard appeared on the Draymond Green show for a wide-ranging interview with his friend and foe from the Golden State Warriors. It is a must-listen interview. Dame talks about how much pain he was in during the Olympics and how he knew his abdomen was worse than ever entering training camp, but also how optimistic he is about reaching full strength. Uh, and that's something he hasn't been in years while dealing with this injury ahead of next season. Again, I just highly encourage you to listen to that full one-hour, eight-minute interview between Dame and Draymond. There's plenty of awesome discussion there for fans of the Blazers, but also just the NBA and basketball at large. Most pertinent here, though, is what Dame had to say about his potential return in 2021-22. Let's go to Draymond and Dame for that audio. And moving forward, obviously, uh, in now, can we expect you back this year, or should we expect you back this year? I mean, right now, I don't. When I first had the surgery, I was, I was, you know, more optimistic, like you know, we don't see. Um, but I think where we are right now, and uh, what we need to happen for us to be able to take full advantage of, you know, the opportunity we created with all the moves we made. I don't even think um, that's the play to make. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I ain't a thousand percent sure, but I mean, at this point, I'm not sure how much sense it made. Now, needless to say, that doesn't exactly sound like a guy who plans on playing again over the last seven weeks of this season. Dame fully understands the personal and team-wide benefits of him sitting out until 2022-23, and it's very safe to say Yusuf Nurkic does as well. Just before that interview aired last week, the Blazers announced that Nurkic, who, again, is playing his best all-around basketball since that devastating leg injury in March 2019, would be sidelined for at least the next four weeks due to plantar fasciitis in his left foot. No one is doubting whether Nurk is experiencing discomfort, but it's ridiculously naive to assume he'd be sidelined if the Blazers were actually trying to win. He's been a defensive bell with bellwether all season long, just as he's been the last couple years, but he also emerged as an offensive fulcrum after Lillard went down in early January, generating solid looks for himself and his teammates through a steady diet of touches on the block, mostly on that on that left block that he prefers. Nurkic's plus .8 on-court rating was tops on the team among regulars from the new year to the All-Star break, and his minus 9.5 net rating over that stretch was second highest on the team, right behind Simon's a number most accounted for by a steep drop in offensive rating with Nurkic off the floor. So the Blazers played at a at a rate of 10.3 points better per 100 possessions with Nurkic on the floor from January 3rd to the All-Star break. That is an impressive, impressive discrepancy. There is no reason to believe Nurkic's foot issues will persist into next season. And the Blazers confirmed Lillard's optimistic assessment of his long-term recovery on Sunday by announcing that he'd entered into the reconditioning phase of rehabilitation. Dame isn't going anywhere between now and next year's trade deadline at the absolute earliest, and all signs point to the Blazers re-upping Nurkic in free agency this summer. It wouldn't at all shock if both played at near-peak levels to begin 2022-23. But how Portland will round out its rotation 
around Lillard and Nurkic next season is still very much up in the air. Simons is a shoe-in to start next to Dame in the backcourt, do a massive raise as a restricted free agent this summer. We previously marked Fred Van Vliet's four-year, $85 million deal, he signed that last summer, as a possible high-end analog for Simons' next contract, (laughs) but really, he's been consistently dynamic enough over the last seven weeks to potentially garner an even bigger contract than that as a restricted free agent, but... Rest assured, either way, the Blazers will definitely, definitely be paying up for Simons, and he will be starting next to Lillard in the backcourt next season. Nasir Little will likely enter training camp, earmarked as a starter on the wing, bound to play a significant role even if Portland finds a superior starting option this summer. There's a chance Hart starts as well but he's also due major minutes either way. Now, in an ideal world, the Blazers would compensate for their lack of size and metal defensively in the backcourt by slotting a longer forward next to Little on the wing, then bringing Hart off the bench as sixth man, where he can play every position from de facto backup point guard to small forward, switching across four and sometimes five positions. Hart isn't among the seven Blazers with guaranteed contracts heading into next season, but picking up his $12 million team option is a formality. Winslow counts among that group, though, and has done enough during his brief time in Rip City to warrant consistent playing time going forward. He's a personal favorite of Billups, dating back to the time they shared with the LA Clippers last season, and his ability to guard multiple positions, push the ball in transition, initiate offense, and generally create two-way havoc makes Winslow a perfect fit for Portland as a fourth wing, with a chance to earn more minutes if his jumper is falling. But beyond Lillard, Simons, Hart, Little, Winslow, and Nurkic, that's just six players, count them, there isn't another player on the roster guaranteed rotation minutes next season. Trendon Watford on a new four-year contract that includes non-guaranteed years in 2023 and 2024-25 is a backup candidate in the front court. His playmaking ability and dribble handoffs and short rolls was impressed this season, as has his touch from floater range. Watford's foot speed is also much improved compared to Summer League. He's clearly gotten in much better condition since then, probably lost over 10 pounds. And that's especially key for an undersized big man. He even had a few really impressive possessions, switching on to John Morant, of all people, in the second half of Portland's pre-All-Star win over the Memphis Grizzlies. But does Portland really want to enter 22-23 with an undrafted 6-8 center without legitimate shooting range and who doesn't serve as a pick-and-roll lob threat as Nurkic's primary backup? That seems doubtful given Nurk's injury history. What seems far more likely is that Portland signs a veteran center to back up Nurkic, making Watford their third traditional big man do more playing time. I'm sorry, do more or less playing time depending on how the Blazers want to defend specific opponents. Greg Brown III is on a deal similar to Watford's, but is at least another year away from contributing to a team trying to win. He, His effort is certainly uh, unquestioned. He's shown some good moments as a cutter, and he's certainly been an active defender. But Brown's shot selection needs a lot of work, and just in general, he still needs to know where to be on, on both offense and defense out there before he's due bigger minutes. He needs a, another year of seasoning. And the same can generally be said for Keon Johnson, who the Blazers knew was a long-term project when acquiring when acquiring him from the L.A. Clippers in the Powell Powell Covington trade. C.J. Ellaby's limitations as a shooter and overall offensive player no doubt make him best suited as a deep bench player for now. 
and Eric Bledsoe's non-guaranteed deal ensures he's not long for Portland. Now, what's interesting is that both Cronin and Lillard have hinted at re-signing Joe Ingles, and there's a lot to like about his on-paper fit with the Blazers. As a 6'8 secondary ball handler who can knock down open shots and play sound positional defense. But Ingles took a major step back this season before tearing his ACL three weeks ago, and he turns 35 in October. It's simply foolish to expect Ingles to regain his disappointing most recent form whenever he returns from injury midway through next season, let alone his sixth man of the year worthy play during 2019-20. Ultimately, don't be surprised if Ingles, if Ingles re-signs with the Utah Jazz for the veterans minimum rather than coming back to Portland. Overall point being, there's still just so much unknown regarding the Blazers heading into next season. They could have multiple top 10 picks to use in the draft, and will likely have the full mid-level exception at their disposal to bring in an impact-free agent if they re-sign Nurkic. Either way, don't read too much into what we saw from the Blazers as a whole. Into what, excuse me, into what we see from the Blazers, these new-look, ragtag, largely anonymous Blazers um, as a whole over the season's remainder. What we want to be focusing on and looking for is individual growth whether it's Simon's ability to finish through traffic, Brown's improved knack for cutting, Johnson's surprisingly tight handle for such a raw prospect, and then Watford's ability to keep up with guards on the switch. That's the type of stuff that Blazers fans should be looking for over the season's remainder. How Portland plays next season won't be, won't be a reflection of the next seven weeks, but far more resembling how the Blazers played immediately after finally finally tearing down the core of their roster before the the trade deadline. Fingers crossed it sparks similar success, too. That's going to do it for us this week. You can follow all of my Blazers coverage at Clutch Points and give me a follow on Twitter at Armstrong Winter for more in-depth thoughts on Portland and the league at large. We'll be back next week. Until then, thanks so much for listening to Talking Trailblazers. Stay safe and healthy out there.